I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. The director of the Port of Brownsville, Eddie Campirano, says he's enthusiastically optimistic about what's going to happen at the Port of Brownsville. But I think at this point, about as best that I can say, and to go out on the limb, I'm going to tell you that I am enthusiastically optimistic for what's going to happen this year. On May 16th, the Texas Association of Business, in collaboration with the RGV Partnership, held a Real Grand Valley Business Summit. Here are some highlights. Port of Brownsville Director Eddie Campirano detailed activity at the Port of Brownsville. The Port of Brownsville is the only deep water seaport located directly on the U.S.-Mexico border. But we're also the largest landowning public port authority in the United States with a little over 40,000 acres of land. Uh, we also are growing in the petroleum and uh, brake bulk trades. And we have about 9,000 employees plus that we influence in the region, about 4,000 of them at the port uh, directly and the other five scattered throughout the region. And uh, we'll go ahead and take the opportunity and claim that we're home port to SpaceX. Uh, we've actually assisted them in some of their large equipment moves that are too big to move by, uh, by land uh, or any other means, and they can come in by water. In addition to what the Port of Brownsville does, connecting the region to the world, we, always, we also have access to uh, nationwide transportation services. Of course, we've all seen in the Regent Times the expansion of the road transportation system in the valley, whether it's I-69E, I-69C, uh, Interstate 2, SH-550. And there's a small gap in the SH-550, but when it's complete, it will be rebadged as I-169, part of the interstate system, and it will actually end at our front door. Uh, we also have rail access, uh, uh, rail not only with the Class 1 railroads, Union Pacific and BNSF for northbound service, uh, but KCSM for southbound service. In fact, most of the business we do is southbound. About 85% of our loaded rail car moves are moving south. More importantly, we own our own railroad, the Brownsville, uh, uh, the, the Brownsville Rio Grande International Railway, and it's a short line service that uh, exists solely to serve port customers, but more importantly, it in connects with all the class ones. All the ports in Texas share one thing in common, and that is we're all connected but the Gulf Intercoastal Waterway. The Gulf Intercoastal Waterway, we like to say, begins in Brownsville and ends at the Panhandle of Florida, but more importantly, it also connects us to the inland waterway, whether it's in New Orleans or in Mobile, Alabama. And lastly, we have pipeline connectivity. That's a lot of things people don't think about, but we do. We have pipeline connectivity into Mexico, for example, into Matamoros. We also have it to the Burgos refinery in this region, and we also have it to the refinery outside of Monterrey and Cadareta. And of course, we also have pipeline connectivity domestically. In fact, we have direct pipeline connection to the refinery in Corpus Christi, where a lot of the gas that comes into the region arrives by pipeline as well. Uh, we're not just fixed on one commodity. I like to say we're not a one-trick pony. We have a pretty diverse cargo mix, whether it's in the brake bulk, in the liquid bulk, in the dry bulk, 
or in special project cargo. Ports, for those of you who don't know, the Valley actually has four ports. I see Walker Smith here in the audience. He's with the Port of Harlingen. But we also have the San Benito Port Isabel Navigation District. And lastly, we have uh, Port Mansfield. So the Port of Brownsville is one of four. Uh, but we are all serve as economic engines for our own areas. And collectively, uh, you know, certainly the Port of Brownsville is not a Brownsville facility. It's a regional asset. More importantly, it plays a significant role, as all ports do in the state of Texas. We impact the state with approximately 51,000 jobs and about $3 billion of economic activity. More importantly, locally, it's about $2.6 million, billion, I should say, and a lot of that is in personal uh, income. And we also generate over $200 million a year in contributions to federal, state, and local taxes. You know, the port is heavily involved in the cross-border business. We've done that since the very existence of the region and the very existence of commercial uh, waterborne trade in the region. And one of the indications of that is our foreign trade zone. It consistently ranks in the top three in the nation for the value of exported commodities. And in 2021, that was in excess of $5 billion per year. Keep in mind, we only have about 10 operators in the FTZ. And for imports is another uh, $4 billion. Collectively, our foreign trade zone ranks number 21 in the nation of all foreign trade zones, and there's 193 of them. An example of the kind of business we've attracted recently, and you're seeing their names starting to pop up all over the valley, and that's Sunoco brand and the Sunoco name. You're starting to see them, uh, some of the stripes converting, some of the other uh, retail outlets coming into town. Well, they decided to invest in the region, and they've invested at the Port of Brownsville. Uh, they've recently developed a refined products terminal, about $55 million. They'll employ 15 to 20 employees, uh, and they've expanded the capacity of storage at the port, the ability to handle this liquid refined products to by 560,000 barrels, which puts us almost a little over 7 million barrels of capacity at the Port of Brownsville. Some of the projects that we have, I'm going to focus on the significant ones. They're all important, but these are particularly important. And probably the number one project is going to be the Brownsville Ship Channel, the deepening of the Ship Channel, which is referred to as the Brassus Island Harbor Channel Improvement Project. The plan is to deepen the Ship Channel from its current uh, depth or draft to 42 feet to 52 feet. Uh, more importantly, in March, it was a significant announcement uh, by the federal government announcing a $68 million uh, allocation uh, or investment, if you will, in the Brownsville Ship Channel under the JOBS Act. That is particularly significant. This is probably the most important and the first time of any uh, uh, impact by investment in this project by the federal government in over 15 years that we've been working on it. The port is actually going to do this project under a new program, uh, the, what is called the Army Corps of Engineers Private Partnership Program, the P3 program. Not only are we the first port in the country to be included in that initiative, we're actually going to be the first and only at this point navigation project that will be funded by that. And more importantly about the P3 program, that it really relies heavily on our private partnership. And in this case, I'm very glad to be joined at the panel of the most significant private partner that we have in this P3 initiative. And really, it's both, because without gas, you can't have the other. And that is next decade. 
The project is designed to occur in two phases. It's approximately at the end of the day about 19.2 miles. Uh, phase one would be the offshore approach through the jetties between South Padre Island and Boca Chica uh, to the end of the jetties. That's about a little roughly two mile run. And then there's a place we call the bend easing before it actually joins up with the Brownsville Ship Channel, which is a 17 mile man-made channel. Well, from the entry through the jetties, through the bend easing, through what we call the western boundary of where next decade is going to be is phase one. And you can kind of see it in green on the map up there. Or I should say it looks like it's uh, dark green. Uh, that is going to be done solely by next decade as part of their project. And that is a huge, huge effort. Uh, we're the first port to actually do this in this respect. And again, without their participation, there would be no phase two and we would not be up here, or I would not be up here, enthusiastically optimistic that this project is gonna happen this year. So phase two is the part that we will work with the federal government to finish, and that will be with our responsibility in partnership with the US Army Corps of Engineers. Other projects. What I'm, I'm really excited about is these are projects and these are businesses that are growing at the port. This is organic growth. If you think about it, what's the best kind of growth you can get when your existing businesses are growing? We all want to hit the home run, and I believe this is the year of the Grand Slam, but nonetheless, we still have existing tenants who are growing. Keppel Amfels is a significant one. They've been the largest industrial employer in the region for 30 years, and they've recently got into shipbuilding. We're the only Texas yard shipyard, and probably the only largest in the Gulf. And right now, we're the only ones that are building large-scale ships. We're talking about ocean-going vessels. They've got two vessels that will be delivering uh, this year, 275-foot container vessels for a company in the Jones Act trade, meaning in the U.S. U.S. market, Pesha Hawaii out of Honolulu. Uh, more importantly, they're also building two additional vessels, ships. One of them is the largest Jones Act dre hopper dredge, which is under construction. And the big project is they're also building what will be the first of its kind in the Jones Act market that is being referred to as a Jones Act compliant offshore wind turbine installation vessel. To put it bluntly and shortly, what it is, is you've been reading about all these wind projects that are going to be coming, developing off the East Coast. This vessel will be the one that will have the capability to transport the components of those wind turbines and erect them offshore. That is huge and expect more and more coming out of Keppel. The other thing is that the Port of Browns is the premier port in the nation known for its recycling capabilities. We take ships, so we take offshore rigs, anything really that is large metal components and break it down and that steel is recyclable. Well, uh, there's a very uh, large ship on the way right now that should be arriving at the port at the end of the month in early June, and that is the sixth aircraft carrier in the Navy fleet of seven that will be coming to the port, and that is the Kitty Hawk. And more importantly, in September, the fall, early winter of this year, we'll have the last of those seven, which is the John F. Kennedy. Those will be coming to our port. And the other thing is we also have international recognition, and that is because one of our ship recyclers, International Shipbreaking, is the only ship recycler in the nation that has 
attain the uh, European Union accreditation for meeting their standards for ship recycling. And so again, what that means to us is jobs, jobs, jobs. Not only creating jobs, but sustaining jobs. Other project opportunities, when I talked about cross-border trade and the role that we play is about 90% about what we do is moving things across the border. In our case, it may not be finished products. We may be the feedstock that is going to the mills in Monterrey. For example, we move more steel slab into Mexico than any U.S. port. Well, that goes to the mills who turns around and produces steel that is going into the automobile industry, into the white appliance industry. And that would be what we see coming back at the border at Laredo as a finished product into this country. Petroleum products. Uh, you know, we, we're, uh, we're receiving uh, high-grade gasoline from Finland in large quantities that's going to help Mexico and meets its demand for refined products. So again, a lot of our focus is cross-border trade. We may not see it, but we're very heavily involved in that, and we have been since the existence of the port. Some of the other newest products, here is a, a new road that we just completed, and, and this is important because this is how one of the ways that we are going to be able to service SpaceX. But this is a, roughly a 1.9 mile heavy uh, overweight corridor road that is going to be used to help uh, out SpaceX, but more importantly, uh, when a project that is called the East Lope is complete, it will be the commercial corridor connection from the port to the International Bridge as an overweight corridor. Um, this project was done in collaboration with Cameron County, with the Regional Mobility Authority, with the Regional MPO, with the State of Texas and the federal government. Uh, and that's really what it takes to make a lot of these projects happen. But more importantly, we're very proud that over the last eight years or so, we've invested over $100 million in capital infrastructure at the port. And this is money that's coming directly from the port. We are not a tax-dependent entity. We don't rely on taxing the community for projects. And so this is something we're very proud of. And uh, again, without having to tax the taxpayer. Um, other opportunities, and all of these projects with the exception of the last one, Forza Steel, are existing businesses who are growing. I've mentioned Keppel and the opportunities they're going to continue to bring to the region. The wind blade business between Vestas and Nordic. We're moving the largest blades made uh, in the United States through this port. They're being actually uh, manufactured in Matamoros for Vestas, who is the largest renewable energy and the wind player in the world. Uh, and not only do we handle them coming in by truck and by vessel, but we're going to be shipping wind blades all the way to Alberta, Canada. That's the kind of capability that this region has developed and the kind of capability that exists at the port. West Plains is our grain elevator operator. We just received our $14.5 million grant award from the federal government to expand the grain capabilities of the port to be able to ship grain by vessel, deep draft vessel. Uh, this hasn't happened in a long time, but about a year ago, we were able to load five vessels, ocean-going vessels, with sorghum, each about 30 to 35 tons to China. That was the first time that's occurred in probably 20 years. But more importantly for us is that this is an independent grain operator, meaning that we were wanting to take the grain elevator and be able to offer our local growers access to market. And you know what? 
to finish that contract for those five vessels. We bought every piece of grain there was to buy between here and Corpus Christi and actually had to import grain from Nebraska by rail to be able to fulfill that request. That's the kind of opportunity we're looking to create. I've already told you about the aircraft carrier program. If you haven't witnessed one of these coming, keep an eye out for the Kitty Hawk's arrival. If you can go watch that thing come through the jetties, it's a pretty awesome sight. And then lastly, Forza Steel. This is another new company that's coming to the Port of Brownsville. Uh, they're investing $32 million. They're a structural steel fabricator manufacturing pipes and uh, tubes uh, for various uh, industries, not only domestically but also in Mexico. That's another 50 plus jobs. And lastly, I want to talk about the LNG project. We actually have two projects in the works. Of course, our big one is the Rio Grande LNG and happy to have them on the panel. And I won't really say I'll let them talk about their project. Uh, and then we have Texas LNG. Both of these projects are still in the works. The, they have spent literally millions and millions and millions of dollars to get to this point. So this isn't something that, well, let's try it, see if it will work. Um, the, uh, uh, and these are projects that have been years in the making and certainly want to congratulate them for taking that project to this point. And you can see uh, both of them are going to be neighbors on the eastern edge of the Browser Ship Channel. More importantly, when, when these projects begin, of course, they scale up. They're permitted to produce up to so much. In the case of Rio Grande LNG, that's 27 million tons per annum of LNG. That's equivalent to the largest LNG producer in the country right now. These are the firms that have put the United States as the number one exporter of LNG in the world. And that is Chenier. When this project accomplishes everything it wishes to, and we hope we see that over the course of many years, they will be on par with Chenier. Uh, Texas LNG is a smaller company, but nonetheless still very important, not only in the global uh, spectrum of energy, but also domestically. At the end of the day, if these companies accomplish what they wish to accomplish, you're talking about 38.75 billion dollars of investment. We as a region have never even been in that conversation. Well, guess what? We're not going to be casual observers of the energy that's going on in this country and in this state. We're not only going to be in the middle of the state LNG business, but we're going to be in the global LNG business, in the energy business. That's about 7,400 jobs, and that's not a one and done. That's over a five to seven year period. And of course, about four or 500 permanent jobs, but they pay very good in the average of 70, $75,000 a piece. So with that, I hope I got you guys excited because I want to hear what Rio Grande and certainly what Valley Crossing has to say because if anybody is going to bring the Valley into the energy business, I truly believe it's going to be at the forefront of the efforts of these two companies. So with that, thank you and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Listen to other Rio Grande Guardian podcasts in this series. Next decade, Senior Vice President David Keene will give details about LNG export terminals at the Port of Brownsville. And in another podcast, Enbridge Business Development Director Kurt Knight-Turkan talks about the energy industry in South Texas. 
The Texas Association of Business held the Rio Grande Valley Business Summit in conjunction with the Rio Grande Valley Partnership at the McAllen Convention Center. I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service.